Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now, the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. Today I'm talking with one of my educational heroes. His name is Dr. Jim Cars. He was a high school principal for over 21 years in two different states, the state of New York and the state of Georgia. That's right. And he's now the executive director of the Georgia State University Principal Center. We got some good stuff to talk about today. Lots to learn. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. <laughs> You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Dr. Jim Cars is the Executive Director of the Principal Center at Georgia State University in Atlanta, Georgia. James Cars is a clinical assistant professor who received his Doctor of Education degree from the University of Georgia. He specializes in principal induction, supervision of instruction, and school-based leadership. Cars is published on the topics of peer coaching, the principal's role in supporting teacher leaders, and student transition. He has made numerous presentations at professional conferences on topics such as teacher leadership, early college, block scheduling, school culture, mentoring new teachers, learning communities, professional development, and teacher supervision. Jim was a high school principal for over 21 years between New York, Gwinnett, and Oconee counties in the state of Georgia, and additionally, he was a leadership coach for the University of Georgia's Department of Lifelong Education and was recognized as a 2001-2002 NASSP MetLife Georgia Principal of the Year for 2001 and 02. Jim is married to Dr. Sheila Cars, a former middle school principal who also was a Georgia Principal of the Year, and she was the 2010 National um, NASSP MetLife National Principal of the Year. So, and by the way, Jim, as you were getting ready to say hi, two principals in the same house. I just can't imagine at, at this caliber of uh, discussion that you guys have. So, Jim, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Steve, thank you for the invitation. We look forward to it. Um, you should have Sheila in here. She was, in fact, the national principal of the year. So yeah. that would that may be your next podcast. I think we'll have to. Yes, we're going to need to talk with Sheila. <laughs> so I, I got to make sure that happens. We got. Uh, well, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, I just can't imagine, though, the the you know having two principals in the household did uh, you know how does how does that work well first off she was a middle school principal and i was a high school principal so that added a little angst to, to <laughs> the beginning but I, I think the important thing for us is we got to share our work we we got to understand i got to understand a lot about the middle school which i didn't know and she got to learn a little bit about the high school um although she had been a high school teacher um and she uh, she really specialized in the middle school, and it gave me a uh, I think a better perspective on on how to deal as a as a cluster leader, as a high school principal, a cluster leader, how to deal with those middle schoolers and and how to how to how to bring them into the fold, so to speak. My philosophy has always been that leaders need to be pre K twelve and beyond, and if you're not looking at pre K twelve and beyond, you're missing the boat somewhere. Um, you know. The, the, you know, the high school people blame the middle school, the middle school people blame the elementary school. <laughs> what do the elementary school people do? Well, it's, it's got to be pre-K, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the important thing is if you work together as a team 
and you have a basic philosophy that moves education forward with a literacy-based curriculum, uh, you can make a lot of good stuff happen. That's awesome. That's that is so cool. Um, you know, let, let's. What I'd like to start talking about is let's go back. And I, you know, I remember you as a high school principal who was way ahead of others. I recall that you were focused on helping schools zero in on the needs of kids. And one of the things that you did was change the, the traditional schedule of the high school. You know, can we start by talking about you as a high school principal? And also, I'd like you to point out that you're leading on the edge. I, I, I want to point out that uh, you know, you're leading kind of on the edge or willingness to take risks got you noticed and you were recognized as principal of the year for Georgia in 2001, 2002, right? That's right. Um, well, I, I don't know where to start. I was, I was a very young high school principal in Long Island, uh, New York. Um, the school was a 7 through 12 school. Uh, the entire district was in one building. We were in a WPA building that was built in 1930. Wow. And um, uh, we had a very small community. We had about 75 to 100 students per grade level. And uh, everything that happens in a little school, in a big school, happens in a little school. It's just more dramatic. Uh, and so I, I got the opportunity to get my feet wet in a, in a very unique situation. And I learned a lot. And when I came to Georgia, and after I earned my... Well, right after I earned my doctorate, I went to work as an assistant principal at Duluth High School in Cornet County. And as an assistant principal, I got to reflect on what I did and didn't do as a high school principal. So it gave me, a, I think, a unique perspective as, a, as an assistant principal. And, um, you know, I, I then went from, I was there for three years, and then I went to Oconee County as a high school principal. And, you know, I spent the rest of my career as a high school principal. Never wanted to go to the central office. I wanted to be with the kids. I wanted to be in an environment that, um, to me, made some sense where we could actually affect change. Excellent, excellent. The uh, you know, and it's it's cool because at, you know, at part of my career, I was in a school that was not too far just down the road, and I can remember the the staff at that school talking about the the wild things going on at your school and that principal over there. And I just thought that <laughs> I think it's funny. well. Interestingly enough, uh, the probably what they were talking about is our change from a traditional schedule to a block schedule, and uh, that didn't come from the principal; that came from the teachers. Awesome and. We, we had sent a group of teachers to a, a workshop, a high schools that work workshop in uh, Atlanta. They came back all excited about the idea of maybe changing our schedule. Uh, as we began, we did a lot of research. As we began to investigate it, we found out this, this is something that would be good for our kids, good for our community. And uh, it took a long time to implement it because the central office was, wasn't, too excited about us doing that and uh, finally the superintendent gave us the okay and and we went forward with it um, but we had lots of professional development not not really on whether it's a block schedule or, or whether it's a traditional schedule we had professional development on teaching strategies we had professional development on how to take a student from where they are to bring them where they need to be and and so my focus has always been on what takes place in the classroom between the teacher and the kids. And, and that's what my focus was at Shiloh. Um, the important thing is we had great teachers who, who worked hard to make sure that took place. And we made tremendous gains in a short period of time. That's awesome. The, uh, and you know, that's, that's one of the things that uh, um, I've always known about you is that you is focus on uh, trying to do better. Right by right uh, try and do right by kids there we go I get my sayings correct here we and uh that's so awesome that uh um by doing that change and focusing on their needs you're able to to see the, re the reward the kids are able to i, I think we sometimes forget steve that 
you're the principal of every kid in that school. And, and we tend to, um, in, our, in the way we're organized, we tend to look at a group of kids. We tend to look at the class. We tend to look at the grade. We don't look at the individual. I'll tell you a story from from my time at Duluth. We had a um, crew coming in to look at us as a national blue ribbon school. And um, we had a couple kids that were on the fringe. Uh, They had the wild hair and the, uh, (laughs) what what do you call that, the tomahawk look. And, you know, some of the things we see today, the the dyed red hair. uh, So the principal was afraid that these two examiners were going to see these kids. (laughs) And sure enough, you know, those are the kids they pick (laughs) out. But I remember distinctly one of those kids at the end of the day walking to the buses and he said to me, "Uh, Mr. Cars, did we win? And I thought then, we were his principal too. That was his school too. He may have been non-conventional, but it was his school and he wanted to win for our school. And and as I matured in my uh, principalship and and as you move from one to another I think you you improve and you you reflect on what you did and whatnot but as as I moved on those are the kinds of stories that I remember because we have to take it down to the individual kid if we take care of the individual kid we'll take care of the classroom if we take care of the classroom we'll take care of the grade we take care of the grade we'll take care of the school that's awesome you give me chill bumps right now because you're so right that is so right on the money it's fun yeah, it's yeah. fun yes that's what makes the school work you're so that's right what makes the school work. i l- love that thank you for sharing that and you know, one of the things i want to do is let's let's use that to kind of transition to this i mean you know um you were principal for over uh, 21 years and but in different states and different communities and you know what do you think uh, one of the greatest challenges was that you faced in as a high school principal in the 90s and 2000s and then we're going to come to today so I don't think the challenges have changed from from when I first became a principal in the late seventies to to today. I don't think the challenges have changed. We we have a job, and that job is to educate children. It's we need to make sure that they have literacy skills, that they have math skills, that they have problem solving skills, and we have to do so in in a short period of time and prepare them for the next step, whatever their next step is. Uh, and so to do that, uh, we have to be on top of our game uh, as teachers, as leaders, as school people. Um, one of the things I always did and I felt today is still critically important is that we have meet- faculty meetings for everybody. We include the cafeteria workers. We include the custodians. We include the uh, lunchroom people. Why? Because they're the people that see the kids first and last. A kid comes into high school at night, who's he going to see? The custodian. Yes. Okay. A kid comes in for breakfast in the morning, who's he going to see? A lunchroom worker. So those people need to know how to negotiate the school and what the the priorities of that school are. So uh, a story from uh, Peachtree Ridge High School. When I opened Peachtree Ridge High School, I... uh, we were given the custodians from the central office that we had. None of them spoke English. Wow. So wh- what do we do? We take an hour every night out of their work schedule, and we teach them English. Why? They have to communicate with the people in the building. 
they got to communicate with the parents when they come in at night. We have a night meeting. The first pe- person a parent's probably going to see is a custodian. Where do I go? And if they don't speak any English, they can't communicate. So we taught them on our dime. We paid somebody to come in, somebody from our faculty to teach them English. It's just common sense. It's something you need to do. It's part of the thing. So everybody in the school knows the vision. And they know what you're about. You know, at Peachtree Ridge High School, we were an academic institution where we taught kids to read, write, speak, listen, and problem solve. Period and paragraph. That's what we did. And if and if you couldn't articulate that mission, and if you couldn't demonstrate to me as a principal or a school leader that you were into that mission, you weren't going to work at Peachtree Ridge High School because you didn't get it. And I don't care if you're a coach or a teacher or a custodian or, or a luncheon worker. You had to buy in a division and work division. Love it. That is awesome. That is very powerful. And, you know, as you're listening out there, I mean, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, you, you run into places where you know that there's too many, there's too many things going on. There's not one focus and that one focus gets everybody going in the right direction and uh, you're able to get results, which is what you're able to do, which is awesome. So, you know, one of the things in the in your current position as executive director of the Principal Center, you work with many current and aspiring leaders. You know, what what do you see? One of the needs? What do they come to you sometimes? What's what's a commonality of some of the needs? I I think the biggest need for our school leaders and and our teacher leaders. Don't forget our teacher leaders are involved in this as well. Is is to get the proper professional development they need to to move their career forward. I think too often. A school has a professional development program that focuses on this new program. And when this new program doesn't work, we have another new program and another new program. Rather than a comprehensive look at professional development that will, um, will last year after year. You know, it's interesting. Every year that the, in, in all the schools I was in, you had to make out a plan. What's your school plan for improvement? And it always set your goals. You know what? My goals never changed. I had the same goals when I was in New York that I had when I left my last school. And that's it. Kids need to learn to read, write, speak, listen, and problem solve. Hello. I love it. What else is there? Right. Okay. If you teach, if, if, if you can get the kids to buy into that and the teachers to buy into that, and, and w- that's our focus. You know what? We quit talking about the kids. We start talking about the work. And when we talk about the work, then your, your, uh, your whole outlook is different. The water cooler is, how can I get this kid to do this versus, you know what this kid Johnny did? There's a big difference in those two statements. Okay. Uh, and we've got to get people. That's the job of the leader is to get the staff, whether they be a custodian right through the most senior teacher, to focus on what kids need and what that individual kid needs. So I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, it does. That's awesome. Know. That's so powerful. That's, it, I mean, it's, you, it's just so right on the money. And it's one of the things I, you know, I used to fuss about because it's, it's like, you know, you have people come up and they want you to come up with like, you know, a goal for this and a goal for that and a goal. And you're like, wait a second, are, are we not, you know, we, we, we can show you what we need to focus on here. And we have too many goals. We lose track of what we're doing. And, uh, and, too many times they were kind of set for you by somebody else and you had to create some giant notebook and you start looking at it going, um, yeah, okay, so that's our, 
you know, this is our stated stuff for this side. And now we got to do this other thing here. And, you know, and I'm babbling right now. And I don't mean to do that, but it's, I, which you got me thinking about all kinds of stuff because being able to stay focused on those, those specific goals and be able to, and you do that through your professional important. development program. You do it from the first teacher you hire. And of course, as a former school leader, and I would say the most important thing we do is hire people. And then the next most important thing we do is train people to do what we want them to do in, in the classroom. Uh, if we hire good people with a blue-collar work ethic, with a ki- uh, uh, caring for kids, um, you can almost always train them to do what they need to do in the classroom. And um, you've, you've got to be higher. you got to hire well. Sometimes you've got to go out of the box. Um, you've got to be willing to fire. You can't leave a teacher in there for 20 years who's, who's not good for kids. So you've got to have the you got to have the guts to do that. Um, I'll tell you a story about a hire I made um, at Shiloh High School. Um, and uh, I saw, I made a habit of reading every resume that came across my desk. And sometimes you see something, you say, wait a minute, what about this guy? The guy was an, a coach and an athletic director. And, and I looked at his resume, and he had just finished running the World Cup at the Superdome. He was involved in the Olympics in in Birmingham, he ran the soccer venue in the Olympics. He was a former teacher, coach, uh, soccer coach, won a number of state championships. And I said, I got to talk to this guy. So we brought him in just to talk. I had no job, <laughs> just brought him in to talk. And it turns out that he was just getting his leadership certification. He had come out of a private school where he didn't need his leadership certification. And he had been this athletic director and coach for a number of years. And I said, Bill, I don't know that we can hire you. I don't have a job. But if I get one, I'll call you. Well, shortly after that, our community school director retired. Well, the community school director worked half-time at night, half-time during the day. He was neither here nor there and whatnot. But I called him up, and I said, Bill, I got a job. You might not like it, but it'll get you in the door. We hired him. Turns out he to be a fantastic employee for us. Um, and, and I'll never forget this. When... When we started really pushing the literacy piece, he's got his kids, his soccer players, on a gym floor writing their goals in full sentences so that he was doing his part of the literacy. And everybody pulls the wagon in the same direction. You get progress. Nice. Yes. Great story. That is Great awesome. Story. That's an awesome story. Great story. I love that. That's You know, it's cool because you know, one of the things you're touching on there is that, that skill to be willing to... To, to spend some time looking for things that may not be, you know, it may not be what they're, you know, the person who's written or sent you the letter or whatever may not be thinking that this is the thing that markets themselves to you. And uh, and to be willing to, ta- you know, to look through and to find what, uh, and just take a chance to bring somebody in is just in itself a cool thing. Because, you know, I, I uh, work with uh, um, prospective teachers who are in, uh, um, couple different universities and i i talked to them about how to um how to get a job their first job as a teacher and one of the things i talk about is some of those things that they may not realize that uh, will help them get the attention of others and that's that's so cool they took the chance like that quite often the extras they do particularly a new teacher will help them get the job find it if you if that person can find a niche particularly in a high school where there's so much going on um you know uh, and uh 
I got lots of stories about people I hired, but uh, <laughs> um, it's it's just a very rewarding experience. It, it it's so awesome because that's you know it's one of the things you know you're, you're right you remember you remember the good hires and you remember the mistakes, <laughs> and because usually the mistakes make you wish you, you know it rather quickly, <laughs> and uh, um, but uh, good stuff. So um, we'll keep the stories coming because this is okay. Good. Well, you wanted to talk about the principal center. Yes. So I don't have that many stories about the principal center, but I do. I When I retired from the high school principalship, it wasn't because I was burned out or because I was tired. It was because I had enough of the Friday nights, the Tuesday nights, the Thursday nights, the Sundays, the Saturdays. Um, it, I just needed some space. Now, to tell you the truth, if somebody called and said, Cars, we got a high school we want you to take, I'd be there in a heartbeat because I love the action. I love the, the ability to move forward. But when I retired, I looked for something that would keep me in the game, that would give me an opportunity to stay at least connected with schools and people and leaders. And so um, I, I was on the advisory committee of the principal center and uh, when this position came open, I applied, and I, I, I was, I'm here seven years now. But we've been able to do a lot of professional development for a lot of folks. We focus on literacy and leadership. Um, we don't evaluate people. The first thing we tell a district, we do not evaluate principals or assistant principals or aspiring leaders. That's not our job. Our job is to provide them professional development to help them enhance their career. And... Um, I would say some of the best stuff that I, I see happening is, for example, we have a um, we work with a district on the induction of new principals. We work with those principals for three years. We we provide the coach, who is a retired principal, who has demonstrated to us that they were successful in uh, developing literacy curriculum, and they would do successful in the in the idea of. Uh, uh, teaching people how to provide effective feedback without chopping somebody's legs off and so on and so forth. So uh, some of the best things that I've seen happen is we'll, we'll take the coach and the new principal and put them in the same classroom and observe the same lesson and make this, take their own notes and then we debrief with them. Then before they, before they debrief with the teacher, we give them a lesson on how to provide that feedback and what they should be providing, what they shouldn't be providing and, and how to, how to leave that teacher with, with something good, uh, particularly if it's not a very good lesson. So uh, that's some of the kind of work we do. We're, we want to be hands-on. We want to be involved in, in uh, uh, what takes place in that classroom environment or the, the, in, the, between the supervisor and the teacher. We want to we work on that relationship as well. And uh, we do a lot of work with academic coaches uh, because they're, although they're not evaluating people they're supervising people and they they're they're the people who are boots on the ground so to speak giving the, that teacher the, the guidance they need to cha change their environment so that's awesome the uh and and i want to talk about a couple specific programs because you kind of touched on them a little bit you have um you have a uh, principal's academy that's for new principals and right. I, I see where you got like uh, like a first and a second year can you just talk about that just a little bit how does it how does somebody get into that program is it something just through the system or is it that the system has to okay. be a partner with you? in a number of ways we, we run uh what we call first year principal academy um 
we will team with the district and we will have all their first year principals in, in that group, in that cohort, or people self-select uh, where we'll have a cohort of maybe 10 uh, first year principals and they're from all different counties or two or three will be from one county and the rest from another county or whatever. So that's self-selected, usually paid for by the district. Um, we're a nonprofit, so we don't charge a lot, but we have to charge enough to pay the instructor and, and uh, lunches and whatnot. We run our programs uh, at least eight times a year, sometimes more. Uh, it's a full-day event. Uh, we start at about 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, and, and then we finish at 3.30. We're downtown Atlanta, so we do most of the work on our campus. Sometimes we'll go to a school, particularly if a district wants us to run a cohort. Uh, we'll do it in that district somewhere, and they'll provide a school for us. And so it's an easy commute for uh, everybody but us, <laughs> which is okay. Um, anybody anybody who's ever tried to come into downtown Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so the first the first year I was, I was the director, uh, I ran a cohort, and we had about nine or ten from a couple different counties, and they said, we don't want to quit. And it was, oh, we don't want to quit. We want... Nice. You know, it gave them a safe place. That, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And that's <laughs> one of the first things we say. We want you to be free to say what you want here without fear it's going to get outside the wall. So they felt this was a safe place for them. And and uh, so they asked, can we do it again? So we started the second year. Now we have the second, third and fourth year academies where these principals want to come back and want to continue the dialogue and want to continue to learn. Um, and. Uh, you know, we obviously change the curriculum as they get more mature in their job. And sometimes we get very specific with the people on, uh, you know, in terms of what their schools, ha what's happening in their school. And we do a lot of what we call current events things. In other words, the crisis of the day or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> um, that those cohorts have been very successful. Um, we also have cohorts for aspiring leaders, first year assistant principals, uh, academic coaches um so we we're running about nine or ten cohorts we work everywhere from north georgia all the way down to okifinoki risa that's awesome yeah yes. that's awesome and for those of you who don't know i mean for those of you listening elsewhere that's we're talking the entire state which is a right. it's a yeah it's a long ways we've got we've got from the swamps of the south furthest south end of the state um We've also had folks come up to us from Florida, and we've had folks come down to us from Tennessee. Nice. So, uh, you know, our influence is southeast. That's awesome. That's yeah, that is excellent. The you know one of the another thing, and you kind of touched on it just a little bit already. Um, you you also have these partnerships with school systems. Can Correct. you talk a little bit just about how that go, comes about? Sure. What happens there? Sure. Um, a lot of times, um, d districts will um, ask us to to engage a a national speaker uh, and we will we will do the we will engage the speaker we will set up the the site we'll set up the logistics for it and the district will guarantee us so many participants uh, right now you and I are in Bibb County we've had a partnership with Bibb County we've run lots of professional development down here in Bibb County it's kind of central Georgia so we we draw a lot of folks from rural Georgia's southeast and southwest. And uh, so we'll run, a, we'll run a program there. And we base that on what the district's looking for. 
and if they're looking for an ap- academic coach's environment, we may bring in somebody like Jim Knight. If they're looking for somebody uh, to deal with a certain population of students, we may be bring in Principal Kafali. Uh, but whoever it is that we bring in is going to address the needs of the district that that uh, engages us. And uh, uh, you know, we continue to work with districts. Uh, sometimes a district will ask us to come in and work strictly with their academic coaches. Uh, we have one district we're working with principals and we're working with academic coaches. And we bring those two together so that the principal begins to understand what the real role of an academic coach is. So the academic coach doesn't become the testing coordinator, right. doesn't become the counselor, doesn't become the substitute teacher. Uh, they have a role and their role is critical and important to the advancement of instruction. Awesome. It's awesome programs that you have. And, 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 um, and having been the benefactor of, uh, I've, I've attended um, different programs that where speakers were brought in or whatever, and, and uh, just awesome types One of, of the, opportunities. There are two other things we do that are kind of outside the professional development role. But one is that every spring, we recognize all the first-year principals in the state. We bring them to the Carter Center. Uh, we provide a meal. We have a program. And we just say, thanks for getting through your first year. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's move forward. It's a it's a, a pretty formal event. Um, not that we would wear tuxes, but it's a shirt and tie <laughs> and uh, jacket event. And um, um, most of the principals will bring their spouse. Uh, sometimes their superintendent will come. But uh, we do that the first week in May every year, and it's always held at the Carter Center, which is in itself just a special place. Um, but we want to recognize that uh, these people have had a hard year, but it's a good year, and there's a lot of good things to look forward to. That's awesome because a lot of things happened during that first right. year. <laughs> um, we also sponsor the Georgia Secondary School Principals Breakout Schools, uh, which is a, a, an award for middle schools who, who have sustained achievement over at least a three-year period of time. So the, the Principal Center sponsors that award, and, and uh, we do that uh, every uh, fall in the, at the GASSP Fall Conference. Uh, and the other thing we do that's kind of a little bit out of the box is we, uh, we run a research symposium uh, where all the students in the GSU um, leadership program um, are required to write for publication. And so we have them... They will write to various uh, journals, whoever they want to write to, and whatever their topic happens to be. Sometimes it's along with their dissertation topic or it's along with their major project topic. Sometimes it's just something they're interested in. And we've had quite a number published over the years. And so we sponsor that uh, symposium every spring as well. Excellent. And one of the things that you've kind of touched on that uh, I want to drive you towards for a minute is... um, all these professionals that are coming together and working together, one of the things that comes out of it, if they allow it to, is a um, expansion of their own network. Right. And can you talk a little bit about the importance of that? And and, and uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I I I believed in being part of your professional organization from Jump Street when I was a principal or even a teacher. I was in a professional organization, and um, we. We always feel that the network is one of the most critical things that we have an opportunity to provide. And that's when we get those individuals from other counties, other school districts, and we put them together and they get to hear what's going on. Um, 
in other places. And, uh, you know, you tend to focus on your school and your district, and you, you forget that there's other places that do it a little differently. So uh, we feel the networking is critical, um, and uh, it's, it's a big part of what we do and what we feel is important. And we try and encourage uh, people from different districts to get together and work as a cohort. Awesome. That's, and I, I can't say enough about how powerful that is because especially in the beginning, it's, it may be difficult or, you know, it, it, and a lot of times as a aspiring leader or an assistant principal, it depends on who you're working for, if they encourage that or not, or if they help you develop that. So becoming a part of a program that's going to have that natural tendency is going to really help um, do that. Cause that's a, I think that's a big part of that because you never know that day when you need to call somebody up and say, Okay, this is what the situation is. Can you give me some advice? <laughs> and and you've got to have that person who is not your supervisor. Right, right. Uh, you know, you, not that you don't want to talk to your supervisor, but sometimes <laughs> you just need it, the ear of a mentor. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a mentor. And, um, you know, uh, as, you, as you progress in years now, I still have mentors. But I'm also the mentor for others. You know, and that people who were my assistant principals or or were teachers will call me and say, "Cars, what do you think?" And at least they know that I keep my mouth shut. Nice. I'm not blasting this somewhere. What I'm doing is pr- trying to provide them with advice based on my experience and knowing them and what what their capabilities are. So networking is critical. Mentoring is critical. Um, and I don't mean I, I get off on a tangent here, but I don't mean mentoring where you hook up uh, the veteran teacher with the new teacher and say, tell tell him or her about the school. <laughs> I mean true mentoring where you actually have a, an opportunity to engage over a period of time and you talk about meaningful stuff that affects the work we're doing. Uh, talk about the work. Don't talk about the neighbor. You know, I, I, had, a, I had a cousin who used to say, um, in our family, playing cards – meant you weren't talking about the neighbors. <laughs> and there's something to be said for that. Yes. If you're working on the work, you don't have time to talk about the kids. I love it. I love it. That's powerful. It is powerful. The, uh, before we, you know, we're starting to draw to a close, what's one thing you'd want uh, listeners to remember about the Principal Center at Georgia State University? Well, I, we're their center. We're there for them. Um, and just as districts have asked us to do things, individuals have asked us to do things. We have individual members. It's not a, doesn't cost a lot of money or anything, but we have some individuals who who just want to be part of it, where they can get some professional development. You know, a, a membership affords them a little bit cheaper rate on a on a workshop. But if you're if you're interested in moving forward as a school leader. And literacy is your focus. The principal center is the place to be because that's what we do. We want people to understand what it's like to supervise a classroom with a literacy-based curriculum. Everybody needs to know how to read, write, speak, listen, and problem solve. And if they can't do that, they're not going to negotiate this world. And we don't have to worry about what we teach them being out of date because they have problem solving. And if you can problem solve and you can communicate, you can succeed in this world. I think that's pretty cool. That is cool. That is awesome. They, uh, it, 
if someone wanted to connect further with you or learn more about where uh, um, about the Principal Center, where would you send them? Well, principalcenter.org, uh, Georgia State University. Um, you can contact us directly, uh, jcars at gsu.edu. Um, and, uh, and I have an assistant who is a marvelous person who does a great job, and Dion Cowan. And, uh, you know, uh, we'd be glad to get him involved whether it be a district, an individual, a group of individuals. Um, we, have, we have some uh, uh, leaders who come to us from another county, other counties, who just want a different perspective. They're getting everything they need where they are, but they want a different perspective. So they come to the principal center, to some of our events. Uh, sometimes they'll suggest to us, we need to see something on X. We go find it. We bring it in. Um, you know, and so that's our, uh, our goal is to provide quality professional development for school leaders and school aspiring leaders. And we say school leaders, I mean, coaches are involved in that. Uh, our academic coaches are awesome folks and, and they do great service, but you can't just assign somebody an academic coach. They got to have the, those skills and those ingredients and, you know, and we can help them get that. That's awesome because you're yeah. so right. So right on the money. Yeah. The uh, um, well, what I'd like to do is we're kind of closing out. By the way, I don't know if any of you noticed that um, he has this really Southern Georgia accent. You've <laughs> <laughs> lived here long enough. What the heck? <laughs> anyway, the uh, um, last two questions I have are uh, just questions I like to to, to ask guests and, and think about. So here's here's one of them. If you were given the chance to talk with 100 brand new principals who haven't started their first day in their first school yet. What advice would you give them? So they're sitting in an auditorium. They're all getting ready to start their first day in their first school, but they haven't haven't entered those doors yet, haven't met with a faculty or anything. I would say to them this. What do you think they're going to say when they see you coming? What are they going to know about your values? Do you know your core values? Can you articulate those core values? What do they say when they see you coming? That's what I'd say. That's awesome. You just gave me serious shivers there because that is because as they see you coming, they're going to be saying things. Absolutely. And you know, it makes a difference if you if they see you coming and you stop them and you say to them in the hallway, uh, I noticed Johnny was screwing up in your classroom, da 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 da. Or if you or if you meet him in the hallway and you give him an article and you say, "What do you think about this? Would this help kids like Johnny?" Same message, delivered differently, is a world of difference. And then a week later, yes, did you get a chance to read that article? What do you think? Okay, got to keep them working on the work. You got to keep them working on the work. As a leader, you have to lead that. You got to demonstrate that you're in the classroom that you know what's going on in their classroom, that you're not always the critic. You're sometimes the supporter, and probably most often the supporter, okay? Um, you know, hire good people, train them, have a comprehensive staff development program, professional development program that starts with the new teacher and ends with the veteran teacher. You know, we so often forget to, to staff development for the veteran teacher. Veteran teacher, they say, gets burned out, gets negative. Well, 
You forgot to ask them what they're doing. You forgot to ask them what they're thinking. You haven't evaluated them appropriately in years. What do you think they're going to say? Okay. As for the accent, I've been in Georgia for over 30 years. I can't get rid of it. I try (laughs) hard, but I can't get rid of it. That's awesome. (laughs) The uh, um, last question. Um, Do you have a teacher, mentor, coach, or leader in your past who made a difference in your life? And if given a chance to say thank you, who would it be? And what would you say? Well, there are a couple that, uh, because in different phases of our career and our life, we have different people. You know, first of all, your father or your mother. Definitely my heroes in my hero batch. Um, As a teacher, uh, uh, a coach that I worked with who had impeccable integrity and kind of taught me about integrity in the workplace. Because integrity is something that's internal and whatnot, but integrity in the workplace means a whole different kettle of fish. Um, then when I got to the University of Georgia, um, I had a mentor here, uh, a full professor, who um, until the day she died, she was my mentor. And I still think of her often. And, and uh, you know, what would Edith say? That's what I say. What would Edith say? You know, I think of that often. So, yes, I have mentors, and and uh, I'd be lost without them. I wouldn't be this. I wouldn't have all those experiences in high school if I didn't have a mentor to say, "What do you think? Can I do this? Can I pull this off?" You know, I've done some crazy things. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I beg for forgiveness. Uh, sometimes they even ask for permission, but not very often. Uh, I always felt that if I was doing the right thing for kids, I could get away with it. And sometimes I I didn't skirt the rules, but I was out of bounds a lot of times. I was out of the box. So um, I I was given a little leeway because in the places I worked, they wanted results. Okay. And if you got results and you were good to kids, you did all right. You know, I made my share of mistakes like everybody else, but we learn from them. You don't make the same one twice. You know, that's awesome. What do they say when they see you coming, Steve? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is great. What's he going to say to me? <laughs> what are we going to talk about? So, yeah, uh-oh, I think it's the number one thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I had a, I, when I became the principal of Shiloh High School, um, I, was, I was at Oconee County High School, and I got a call from uh, the HR director and invited me to... Um, come in for an interview and whatnot and when after i interviewed with him i interviewed with the superintendent and finally they offered me the job and and i i accepted that job and one of the things i said was well uh i know i start july 1 but i've made a commitment to volunteer for the olympics and which were in atlanta in 96 and uh, the immediate response was that's schoolwork. you go do it and then come on board um, and and that's an attitude about what what we send to our teachers and what we send to our principals. Um, and and I always felt that it was important for me to say family comes first. And I remember that I, I had a teacher who actually was a school counselor. She didn't care for me one bit. We were at odds all the time. She lost an important family member, and it was awkward for me. 
because I knew she didn't like me. She didn't want me to come by her office. But I went by her office and I said, Pat, take whatever time you need. The job will be here when you get back. Take whatever you need. I left. Well, I heard through the grapevine there was a change of attitude in this person. I didn't I didn't say that because I said that I would say that to anybody. But sometimes you need to convey things outside of the books. And you need to convey that in an honest and sincere way. Um, you know, my experience at Shiloh was was very interesting because I came into a school that was doing very well academically that, um, you know, some people didn't want to push the buttons and move forward. Uh, Some people were just happy the way it was. Um, We were 86% white and uh, achievement was very high. Um, And, uh, you know, seven years I left, we were 50-50 school, mostly African-American minority, and and, uh, our achievement was still high. And uh, we, we felt like um, it didn't matter what the demographics were. We were going to teach the kids we had. I was their principal. I was everybody's principal. And we were going to make it work. And we did. Awesome. Yeah, it was a pretty awesome job. There, yeah. There's no better job in the world than being a high school principal. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, you got that right. I like to tell people that uh, the f- favorite thing about my job was to be on the stage at graduation because I get to look at them. And I'm standing there, and when their name's announced, they're looking straight at me, and they're getting ready to walk over to me. So I see their reaction on their face when their name is announced, and they walk across the stage. I get to see the first part of that smile, and I tell people, I don't care how cool they think they are. They smile, and they come over. A little tear in their eye. Yep. (laughs) And it is so powerful. And, you know, it's you get to, whether they hug you, whether they shake your hand, whatever it is, um, dance across the stage coming to you. You know, you just never know. It's just yeah. And that is, that's one of those things that's to me, it was a reward in being a principal is that you got that opportunity. And, and, and then we can't forget the beyond because these kids go out into the world and we need to help them get into the beyond. But it's, you know, as I said before, pre-K 12 and beyond. Yes. And so we have to help them negotiate that world. And, and that's sometimes difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, there are ways to help them get in into that world not forget about them as individuals and as people and uh and so there's a lot of stories about that as well um i'll tell you one quick one before we end all right uh i'm an assistant principal in duluth high school and as an assistant principal doing discipline you got a lot of different (laughs) characters come through your way um anyway one kid i struggle with a lot um and uh in I was at Peachtree Ridge, so it had to be about 2004. I get a message on my phone at home. Uh, is this uh, Dr. Cars from Duluth High School? My name is Josh. I'll leave his last name out. Uh, I need to talk to you. I said, my God, I suspended that kid a dozen times. <laughs> I call him up and I call him back and I say, yes, Josh, this is Jim Cars, da 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 And he says... Um, I need some help. I need some advice. First of all, why didn't you kick me out of school? And I said, my job is to save kids, not kick them out of school. My job is to get you through. We got you through eventually. And and then he, he said, well, right now I'm in the Navy. I have a whole contingent of divers. He was a 
scuba diver. What what are the, I forget what they call them? Not a demolition diver, but a um, rescue diver. Nice. And they had just been up in Wisconsin, I think it was, where this bridge collapsed, and they sent this Navy team up there to, to go down and pick up the dead, and and search for artifacts and the dead and so on and so forth. Anyway. It meant so much to me that he would call me and talk about this stuff. And then I said, "What, Josh, what's the real purpose of a call? He said, I got a guy on my team who's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I said, you mean like you were to me? <laughs> and so we talked a lot about, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and find the good things in this kid so that he can make the next step in, the, in his job in the Navy. That's a great story. That's that a, is. That's the kind of thing that makes you come back. It really does. That's the type of thing that makes every day worth it and get through the tough stuff yeah. so that you can have that. Amazing. In the end, that's thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Jim, this has been awesome today. You're one yeah. of my educational heroes. You're one of my professional heroes. You're one of my personal heroes. And I'm I'm great, grateful to the time that well, you are. I'm glad I could here. come. And thanks, Steve. Thank you. Have a great uh, week. And th thanks for uh, all you do. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.